Welcome to Common Ground, a talk show encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in Berlin and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. When can we get our vaccines? That question is on many people's minds these days, especially in the European Union, which lags far behind the United States and United Kingdom in getting people inoculated against COVID-19. The initial shortage of vaccines in the bloc and inability of Brussels to craft a strategy to quickly inoculate a majority of the nearly half billion EU residents is leading a growing number of expats to seek vaccinations back home. We begin our episode with three Americans living and working in Berlin who are part of or are planning to join the exodus. Senior producer Dina El-Sayed reports. 38-year-old web designer Sam Fagan got behind Germany's lockdown strategy last spring as the pandemic spread around the world. It seemed like the right thing to do. I think it was the right thing to do. It seemed to work. (laughs) And even though it was hard and difficult, it was easy to have faith in the German government and to have patience and to accept it and to be supportive of it even. It certainly made more sense to her than what was happening in the United States, which appeared to lack any cohesive approach to keeping the virus in check. It didn't seem like anything good was happening, and it didn't seem like it was affecting the numbers. I mean, there was one guy on my Facebook feed who, every day, he's not American, but he would post, here are the number of deaths in the U.S. today. It was sort of like he was celebrating it, but it was more like he was just calling attention to the absurdity of it. By November, it was German officials who Fagan said needed calling out. Berlin and other states entered another lockdown, which officials referred to as light, but cut Fagan off from her friends, the gym and restaurants. It just started feeling very black and white and very much like it was easier for them to deal with everything or nothing. And the fact that the scientists were saying this number by itself, that you're making all of your decisions based on it, it's not nuanced enough. You need to know, like, who is getting sick? You need to know if they're in a risk group. You need to know how old they are. Like, there are so many gray areas in these nuances that should be contributing to how you're making your decisions. And the government was like, no, (laughs) that's too hard. (laughs) That's too much thought. That's too much nuance, too much gray area. The disjointed vaccine rollout here only added to her frustration. And then they came out with that vaccination, like estimated calendar where you could put in your age and if you were in a risk group, et cetera, and it would give you an estimated date when you could expect to be invited. And mine said something like February 2022. Meanwhile, back in the States, my friends are getting vaccinated more and more and more. And I was talking to my mom and she had called up a local pharmacy just to ask if I were home, would I be able to get a shot? Because we weren't sure about residency things, um, residency requirements. And they told her, If she were here right now, we could get her on a wait list. If someone doesn't show up for their appointment, then we could call her and say, hey, can you be here in 15 minutes? And we could vaccinate her probably within a week or two because of the wait list. And Berlin isn't doing a wait list. So my confidence in the German government in the Berlin rollout just kept degrading and degrading and degrading. 
So she decided after her mom was vaccinated in Fort Smith in Arkansas that she would go there and do the same. She received her first dose of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine on March 30th. When I found out that I had an appointment, I cried because the relief, the light at the end of the tunnel, the actual like promise of having an end to this, of being able to return to some sort of normal, of being able to see people and hug people, like to have that hope reinstilled uh, was powerful. Fagan shared her experience with fellow expat Ellie Garland in a Facebook group. Common Ground host Soraya Saradi Nelson explains. Garland is mulling over whether to go home for her vaccine. The 40-year-old talked about it last month in a forum called Americans in Berlin. Her post has netted more than 90 responses so far. I know how to travel. I'm a travel blogger. So that piece of it wasn't that big a deal to me. But there's so many complications with testing and quarantines. And I just thought maybe somebody else had insight about logistical details or whatever that I hadn't thought about. So that's why I sort of detailed out this is how long I think we need to be there. And these are some of the details. But then also, like, I think I even wrote in my question, is it crazy for me to even think this? Like, maybe this is such a wacky idea to think about flying back to the States. She says many of the responses were helpful, but a few were unexpected. I was surprised that a few people thought it was immoral or unethical or that I was jumping the line. And part of it is I wasn't clear about the fact that I wasn't going to hop on a plane the next day. Um, If we do this, we probably wouldn't go until, I don't know, late May or something, because I do want to see how things go here. But yeah, so it was strange that the number of people who thought that somehow going to the States to get vaccinated was unethical, because maybe somehow I'm getting ahead of somebody there who needs it more. But I mean, so many states are opening up to everyone 16 and up, so it doesn't feel like I'm line cutting. Her plan is to go to Atlanta with her husband if they end up going. She says Georgia is the last state she lived in. And with her husband's dislike of flying and their new puppy who isn't used to air travel, that destination makes for a more direct, shorter trip from Germany. But even though she's mapped out the details, Garland still isn't sure. All these articles keep talking about the the new Pfizer plants pumping out millions and millions of doses and that we should have more. And the doctor's offices are supposed to be giving out shots soon. So I really want to see how things go over the next few weeks. And if by the end of April, the numbers are starting to tick up significantly, we would probably stay here because it's just easier. She says her patience has limits and that German officials need to be more flexible about who gets what vaccine when. Like I know somebody who volunteered at one of the centers and that wasn't enough to get her a shot. In the States, if you volunteer, you get a shot because you're, you're exposing yourself to these people and you're helping. So, you know, you might as well get one more person vaccinated and they don't do that here. Um, so I think the, they're just being too rigid with certain things. The AstraZeneca drama, oh my God. And when you look at the numbers, there's more Pfizer than any other vaccine. It's a small percentage that is the AstraZeneca. So that, I'm like, you know, just open it up. Whoever wants it can have it. 
Andy Tarrant is another American who responded to Garland's post. The plan of the 34-year-old freelance translator, teacher, and editor is to return to New Jersey to get his COVID-19 shot. Yeah, I probably will, probably at the end of May or early June, because I know at that point it looks like really the vaccines will be available to anyone who wants them, and it just sort of works with other timing reasons. Terence says that when the pandemic started, he wasn't expecting to have to travel to the U.S. to get the vaccine. I think I decided a few weeks ago, as it became clear that the vaccination campaign there was going really well and that it looked like it would be even ahead of schedule um, of what they had even thought in December. And at the same time here in January, it became clear that things were going much slower than expected or slower than I had expected anyway. And that the overall political response, I mean, it was, it's, I was getting more and more frustrated with how things were going here. And that's when I thought, okay, well, maybe, I mean, if I have to file my taxes in the U.S. every year anyway, then I don't feel too bad to go there. <laughs> Work-related timing is affecting his choice of vaccine. I mean, I would try and get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine because it's the sort of one and done. Um, because I can't go for five weeks um, with the other vaccines spaced out usually four weeks apart, I think, at least in New Jersey, and I can't go for that long. He says he is not surprised many immigrants to Germany are headed elsewhere to get vaccinated. And Terence says he believes he is doing the responsible thing. He also wants to visit his family for the first time since Thanksgiving 2019. You know, I'm an American citizen. If I go there to visit my parents, which I want to do anyway, then it's also responsible to the people around me to get vaccinated. Even if by the time it sort of kicks in, I'll almost have to be leaving again. And on top of that, there's also the, I mean, the U.S. is doing so well because they're not exporting any vaccine, you know, which is also not a fair situation. And so I think it's kind of hard to make a 100% ethical decision right now. But I think, especially if I wait until May or June, Everyone, I think they said in New Jersey, everyone is going to be entitled to a vaccine from the 1st of May. And in some states, even earlier, anyone who wants one can have one. So I don't feel like in that sense, I'm taking it away from anyone. And Terrence says he will do whatever is needed to minimize the risks to himself and others when he travels. It's what he and his German partner did when they visited Terrence's elderly in-laws over Christmas. Um, so I don't feel like I would be acting irresponsibly. Plus, <laughs> to be honest... It's about seeing my family, who I have literally not seen in, you know, almost a year and a half at this point or longer. And at the same time, you see people, including from Germany, going on vacations that are totally unnecessary right now. And I think, well, if anyone should be able to travel with a sort of clear enough conscience, it's someone who's going to see their family. You know, I'm not doing this just for fun. And then I would be one more person when I get back to Germany who wouldn't be contributing to the spread of the virus because I'd be vaccinated. So it's also a win for people here. His German spouse, however, may not be joining him, even though citizenship is not a prerequisite to getting a COVID vaccine in the United States. I mean, I know they're encouraging, you know, people who are undocumented and stuff to also get it. And I know my mother and sister and father, when they had their vaccination, they weren't asked for ID or anything. They just had to show their confirmation code or whatever. So I know it would be possible. I don't know. I don't know that he would feel comfortable doing it. And it's a bit weird because we actually have a civil partnership um, because we got civil partnered um, before marriage equality came into Germany. And I don't really know exactly how I would have to look into it if they're even recognizing that. 
I know when I file my taxes, they don't recognize us as actually married in the U.S. Terence says he would prefer if his partner did go to the United States and got vaccinated with him. He explains that it would be, quote, one less thing for him to worry about when it comes to the pandemic. That was senior producer Dina El-Sayed. The Americans we interviewed questioned whether Germany is going to change its pandemic strategy. We'll hear more about that from the co-host of one of Germany's top coronavirus podcasts after a short break. We will also hear from a German philosopher about whether the expat exodus is ethical. So stay tuned. Hi everyone, I'm Maurice Frank, editor of the Berliner Zeitung English Edition, which is a proud partner of Common Ground. Is it hard for you to figure out what's going on in Berlin because everything you read or hear is in German? We at Berliner Zeitung English Edition can help, providing you with all the news you can use in English, whether on politics, business or culture. We also offer riveting interviews and commentary. Look for us at berliner-zeitung.de/en or just type in Berliner Zeitung English Edition into your search engine. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, the host of Common Ground. And I'm Dina El Sayed, the senior producer. Each week, we bring you a new lively discussion on a hard hitting topic. If you want to learn more about our podcast, check out our website at commongroundberlin.com. The episodes are free to download, but they aren't free to create. Common Ground depends on grants as well as donations from listeners like you. So if you want to help us out, please click on the donate button at commongroundberlin.com. And thanks for listening. Democracy. I'm Rachel Tausenfreund, one of the hosts of the German Marshall Fund's podcast, Out of Order. Join our conversations with leaders and experts on what the dark side of tech does to democracy, how the pandemic shapes geopolitics, and other topics of global order and disorder. You can find our episodes and miniseries at gmfus.org or wherever you find your podcasts. We are the German Marshall Fund of the United States, strengthening transatlantic cooperation since 1972. Welcome back to Common Ground. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and joining me via Zoom is German philosopher Stefan Gosepat, who is also a professor at the Freie Universität Berlin, and Corinna Hennig, science editor and co-host of German public broadcaster NDR's weekly podcast called The Coronavirus Update. Thank you both for joining us. Hello. Hi. So the first question I have is for Corinna. What's the latest on the inoculation plans here in Germany? And are there improvements underway to the appointment-making system, which is obviously causing frustration for a lot of people? Well, I can't tell um, talking about whole Germany, but I think it's getting better somewhere. I can speak for Hamburg, for example, where I'm based, and I just... Uh, my parents just managed to make an appointment and um, it seemed to speed up a lot. So before it was really difficult, people dialing via the hotline um, by telephone, they couldn't reach anyone and online it was difficult and there were no appointments. But when my parents, it's, I think it's like two weeks ago, tried to make an appointment at um, 3 30 in the afternoon, they got uh, an offer for an appointment at 4 p.m. So 
within half an hour. They didn't take that because this was too fast for them, but they went two days later. So it's speeding up now, I think. Are there any efforts being made to get rid of the codes, for example? I know that in Berlin, we have this confusion where if you're 60 and older, you can call in to make an appointment without a code. But if you want to do it online, you have to still wait for the mail, basically, to deliver the code. If I can answer that, because I'm one of those cases, I'm a over 60 and I heard about this uh, special call and I called in, I got immediately through, I got immediately an appointment for tomorrow actually. So I think I'm lucky and it's actually speeding up. It's time actually, but uh, yes, it's it's coming. Well, that's good news to hear. I'll let my husband know because he's 60 as well. Let me also ask you, Corinna, are there German states that are doing better than other ones? I think you can't tell this in general because um, it's not about a question of states, but of communities, because this is very different if you live in the country, if you live in a village or in a big city. Um, I just um, heard that 60-year-old people in Berlin already get in, and we envy this in Hamburg because I think we are on now from people from 78 years on. Um, so we're far away from that. And I can't explain why it is like that, because it depends very much on how the structure of community is. So um, probably there are communities doing better than others. But um, you can't say this in general as well. It's very uh, disparate. If I might add to this, uh, I guess in Berlin it was a special effort to get rid of the extra doses of AstraZeneca who uh, are laying around and therefore they had this extra uh, initiative just for the Eastern break and that seems to work. So it's not that in general we are uh, down to 60, uh, same like in Hamburg. It's just uh, another step to get rid of the AstraZeneca surplus. Surveys show that most people in Germany who plan on getting their vaccines feel it's taking too long. I mean, we already understood that from this conversation so far. But that sentiment, not just here, but actually around the world, has prompted something called coronavirus tourism, which basically caters to people who want to go abroad, or if you're in the United States, to neighboring states, in order to get vaccinated more quickly. Stefan, given the goal of the medical community is to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as possible, is it okay to engage in this kind of medical tourism, or is it unethical? Well, it depends who is going where. So if people... uh are using their privileged status in uh, the northern countries to go somewhere where they can buy themselves into some uh, vaccine shots because they just have the money. That would be unfair, of course, because they are using their privileges. But if people are going home, so to speak, I mean, whatever that means, so if they have a passport from a foreign country going from Germany to their home country and being in the priority class uh, in their home country where there is vaccine available, for them, I think that's absolutely okay to use that opportunity. Corinna, what do federal or state leaders think about people leaving Germany to get inoculated, especially since there's such an emphasis on not traveling at the moment? I don't know what they really think, but I think um, there are two ways of thinking, maybe. There's an official, a public way and a private way, because everyone in Germany, I guess, might think, or everyone who's in favor of vaccination, might think we should go on very fast. We should try to get a lot of people vaccinated, but we want um, special groups to be prioritized. So 
this is quite difficult to handle because if you throw away doses, this is not what we want. But if you invite 20-year-old people to come in the evening, it's also a very special thing. So I guess that even politicians have their private opinion on this, but they can't go out and talk about it like everyone should come in and get vaccinated because we decided for ethical reasons to stick to this priority groups and for good reasons, and it's important, but how to handle this pragmatically? That's a very difficult question. Stefan, do you agree? I totally agree. The thing is, we have priority uh, ranking in Germany, and I think that is the ethical fair way to go. Um, so the elderly and the, the vulnerable groups first, and then down to the younger ones. But for pragmatic reasons, if uh, doses are left at the end of the day, they should definitely be used. And uh, that means that we have to um, violate, so to speak, um, uh, the priority list. So if people are around, Uh, that uh, are available for and want vaccination, they should get it. And this, of course, then sometimes get in public opinion the feeling of unfairness. How come that some young people and so on in the end of the day got this shot? But it's just the case because uh, stuff was uh, left over. And for the very reason that we want to use all the vaccination that is available here as fast as we can. Are people in Germany resentful of the fact that in America the vaccine rollout is going so fast that so many younger people have the vaccine or are getting the vaccine compared to Germany where, except for AstraZeneca, as you mentioned, Stefan, uh, you know, most of the vaccinations are for people over 70 still? Well, uh, I don't think that people feel resentment. So, I mean, in a very... uh general way, of course, lots of Germans thought that Trump was handling the situation very badly. And I guess most people feel kind of relief that uh, now uh, the new president is doing things much better. We are surprised that uh, the rollout of the vaccine in the United States is uh, so great. And one can get envious, but envious has two senses. This is the sense of envious It's great that they have it, but we want to have it too. So it's not that we think they shouldn't have it. The question is just, why don't we have it? We are also a very wealthy country. We had a great healthcare system. Uh, We did well in the first uh, wave of the pandemic. So why are we doing so badly in the third wave? And this has to do, of course, with the different ways uh, the United States, even under Trump, handled the buying of the vaccine. They invested in the firms already and they bought much more and much earlier than the European Union did. Uh, So it's in that sense our fault. Um, And I think in that sense, uh, there shouldn't be any resentment. And I don't feel much resentment. Corinna, is there anything you want to add? I think what a lot of Germans feel is um, that we have too much discussion and too much bureaucracy in Germany and too little pragmatism. We just talked about that because, for example, doses um, that were thrown away and talking about people who, who received these doses, there were, for example, a few politicians in Germany who had obviously received a dose that was about to be thrown away And then there was a huge discussion about if this was sort of criminal act and they shouldn't do this. And where you can discuss about it. I think this got too big for the aim we wanted to reach. And there's a feeling in German population, I think, that there is 
in general, too much sticking to special rules without any freedom for doctors in the vaccination centers to sort out a bit if there is a little way to do some things a little looser than always sticking to these rules. And this is maybe a sentiment Germans may have towards the situation in the US or wherever in other countries to see this is a problem we really have in Germany. This is a special German problem. Stefan, you wanted to add something? I again agree. Uh, it's the, the Germanesqueness of uh, bureaucracy that is part of the problem. But empirical data quite clearly show that the lack of supply is the real problem in the European Union. And the other thing is, yes, I'm happy with any people standing around helpers in the uh, in the clinics where the vaccination is shot uh, and they get the extra dose. If politicians, especially high rank politicians, all of a sudden appear at six o'clock p.m. Uh, and get the extra shot, I have my doubts. Uh, so I guess I can understand my fellow countrymen that they think there is something, uh, an, an abuse of power going on here. And then people get really angry. We are waiting in line and they get it earlier. So this is, of course, something people get resentment about, and I think correctly so. Yeah, I can understand this, but I might add, for example, sticking to priority groups, which is very important. Again, we do this for a good reason, but let's get away from the politicians, but get to a couple like in Hamburg. My parents, my father just uh, became 80 years old and um, my mother is 79. And so they're not in the same priority group, but there's just one year in between. This is not important. And talking about bureaucracy, they get different appointments. Um, why can't we do this like couples more or less of the same age get vaccinated together? So this is, again, another point we could talk about, um, about pragmatism. Well, let me interject some of the questions that our earlier guests had, the American expats who are either going to the United States or thinking about going. Stefan, we're going to play a question for you from Berlin resident Andy Tarrant. He is planning to go back to New Jersey to get his vaccine and asks whether ethical questions are being posed to the wrong party. I think for the ethicist... I would want to know if they think the current discussion about the ethics of vaccination, if we're really addressing the right questions, I think a lot of the questions even that you've asked me, it comes down to individual decisions rather than, well, what are the system decisions being made that have put us into these sort of ethical quandaries? Um, and could the system have been designed or the decisions at a higher level made um, more ethically? In general, I would agree. It's the whole question of prioritizing uh, the vaccine is not a question for the individual. It's a question for the political system and Germany made uh, its decision. Another question is what about US citizens living on German soil and having the chance to get vaccine in the US? let's say, by visiting their parents or relatives. And I think this is totally unproblematic from an individual level, um, especially since in the United States there is so much more supply of vaccine. So you are not taking it away from somebody else who needs it more urgently than you. So in that sense, the individual decision, I think, is fair. And as long as uh, there is not really free travel, but there are reasons why you might travel to the US, namely visiting relatives or businesses, uh, then you can use um, the chance to get an extra vaccine there. Corinna, there's a question from Sam Fagan, a Berliner who returned last month to Arkansas to get her vaccine. 
Are they contact tracing and how much? And what are the results actually? Because that is something I never hear about in the news. Well, in theory, of course, there's contact tracing. But as you all know, contact tracing um, is only possible in full um, enrollment if uh, the incidence numbers are low. And as we have very high incidence numbers now, I think the authorities can't get after it. So this is why we need um, non-pharmaceutical interventions. They try to do the contact tracing, but I think they don't manage to do it um, in every way they would like to do it. So this is why we're not talking a lot about it in the news, because there is uh, only um, a default we could talk about. Karina, one more question for you from Ali Garland, who is debating on whether to go to Georgia to get her vaccine because of the German government's approach. I want to know why we're not hearing more about their plans to get more people vaccinated. That's what we all are more interested in. And that's how we're going to get through this. We're not going to get through this by making people take a test to go to H&M, you know. I don't agree because I think we hear a lot about uh, how the government tries to get more people vaccinated, but we had problems with the vaccine supply. So we're always talking about the situation and then um, there is an incident that makes that more difficult. So we're talking from step to step. I think uh, we should always talk about it. We should have a close look at what is possible now, but I'm sorry, I can't agree that there's no talking about this. I think maybe uh, she didn't get the right news. Stefan, go ahead. If I might add to that, uh, so I mean, the European Union and Germany is depending here on uh, the European Union and U European Union's decision, von der Leyen's decisions, uh, but they were late in buying the stuff and late in rolling it out in January. But from what we hear, of course, there are broken promises, but from what we hear in the second half of April, there should be a huge increase in vaccination. And there's also now a German production site in Marburg uh, where the stuff is produced on German soil. So we expect actually in May and June, a huge increase in vaccination. And that is actually the only thing that really matters now. Yeah, that's true. Stefan, my last question goes to you, although I think uh, certainly, Corinna, if you want to add to it, you're welcome uh, to do so. What do you think about German Health Minister Jens Spahn saying fewer COVID tests and more freedom to travel and shop should be given to people who are vaccinated over those who are not? <laughs> Okay, this is a tricky one. <laughs> I get that question quite often. So at the moment, I think this is the wrong take. Uh, there are so few people who uh, at the moment had the chance to get a vaccination that they shouldn't be privileged on top of it by having extra freedoms. I mean, extra freedom is also wrong because they get their freedom back. It's not an extra freedom. So the freedom is not the privilege, but the privilege to have earlier access to former freedoms, that is a privilege. And with now, I guess, 12% of people having vaccination first shots, around 5% of people in Germany having their second shot, it's really a tiny minority who has that privilege. And I think it's a wrong sign uh, to the general public to privilege them even more. That 
probably will lead to resentment and we are building here on solidarity among all of us. So um, as soon as we have, let's say 50% who had a chance uh, of vaccination, this is a totally different uh, story. And of course, then we wanna have the snowball effect that giving these people their privileges will actually encourage those who are hesitant to take a vaccine uh, to take the vaccine. And uh, as I said, uh, and, and as everybody else says, vaccination is the only cure here. This is actually uh, an effect we want. So in that sense, I think the timing is uh, important. From a certain point on in the vaccination, we have to open it up uh, and we have to give these people their freedom back. But the question is one exactly what kind of percentage we need. It's a delicate task, of course, because there will be pressures from those who had the second vaccine. And of course, the judge, they will sue the state and there is a certain likelihood that they will grant um, their freedom uh, because for, they are not a threat. I mean, one thing that also changes is now we have new indications. That's why um, Gesundheitsminister Spahn said that we have indications that those who had the second shot will not infect others. So they are not a threat to the general public. And in that sense, it's very difficult to justify why they shouldn't appear in public and use their freedom again uh, individually. But the call is here for solidarity. We all have to take it together. And for a couple of months, they have to stay back, I would say, uh, hold back. Uh, and I hope in the summer we can open it up for all of us. Corinna, is there anything you want to add? Yes, I would like to add from a scientific point of view, because this is really important. Talking about uh, population effects, as Stefan just said, is, of course, we should talk about it later on in, in the year, because this is an important thing for population. But what Jens Spahn said was there was new data. Well, it's quite new, but um, it's just that um, the politicians wanted the Robert Koch Institute to write down everything, to write a report on what is the status, the scientific status at the moment, what we know about if people still transmit the virus after they are fully vaccinated. And what happens is that we now know from data from the US and from Israel that um, they don't transmit it very often, but you can't say they don't transmit it at all. It's like about 90% or 95% risk reduction. So it's important for people to know if you visit someone who is ill, for example, who's in part of a risk group, so you should be very cautious. And we need at the moment people, everyone, to be cautious, to, to slow down the pandemic, to bring down the numbers, and they still have to wear their masks. And this is the complete wrong sign to tell people, you are not part of the pandemic anymore because you are vaccinated. In general, as a population effect, of course, this is true. And it's true that there is very, very little transmission um, resulting from vaccinated people. But there still is a risk. And you have to tell this to the people because otherwise um, they just run into the wrong direction. That was Corinna Hennig, science editor and co-host of NDR's popular weekly podcast, The Coronavirus Update. And my other guest was Stefan Gosepat, a German philosopher and professor at Freie Universität Berlin. Thank you both for being on Common Ground. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Our senior producer is Dina El-Sayed, and I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. Thank you for listening, and please join us on Mondays for new episodes of Common Ground. 
Our program is made possible through a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Energy. Thank you also to our partners, Berliner Zeitung English Edition and the German Marshall Fund. You can download all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out our website, commongroundberlin.com.